Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I'm Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm an entrepreneur. And we love the Nats. I don't know if I can do this one, Clayton. This is a toughie. This is a toughie. Tuffy. Love you, buddy. I love you too, man. It's We the Peeps. It's We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps. Folks, the games was all U.S. games. So many games. For the past seven years. Welcome in. This is the WTP See Ya When We See Ya ep. Uh, We are here to say not goodbye, but see ya. When we see ya. If you are a relatively new listener to this pod and just looking for some post-World Cup uh, content... You're in the right place. We're going to start with a conversation about soccer and the USMNT and where we've landed after going to the biggest stage, the biggest stage. We'll do some of what we normally do, which is talk shit about a team that matters to us and likely doesn't matter at all, objectively. <laughs> well, then, in this, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's the whole point. In the second half of the show, we are going to reminisce and connect because, as I mentioned, Um, We will see you when we see you, which means uh, that in the next four years, we're going into a different phase for this team. And Ty and I have made the uh, laborious, difficult at times, off-discussed decision to let this be a different season for the podcast as well. Um, We are going to go into something of a winter for the WTP pod, and we will be (laughs) joining you if we feel like it, uh, when and if we feel like it. So it is very likely that in the years to come, months to come, uh, a USMNT game will will draw us back in and and we'll be behind these microphones again. Uh, However, um, we are not going to continue to cover every single game. No, this is not the January camp preview show. We are not fucking going to talk about that. As pumped as everybody is for that. (laughs) We're not going to do it, and that's not what today is about. Um, Nah, 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 nah. So are we leaving it a a little bit ambiguous and vague? Yes. Um, But do we hope our our message is getting across that uh, this is, you know, we we need to slow things down a little bit and tap back into the Nats when and if it, it makes sense? you know, for our lives. Um, but but we don't want to shut the door on this conversation, so we want to leave the feed up. We want to make it possible to share some some content with you about the USMNT in the future, uh, and we hope that you'll keep that, keep you know, stay subscribed, um, so just in case that happens. So the briefest housekeeping is essentially, if you are already subscribed to our Patreon, uh, have no fear. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and discontinue that. 
from from here on out. So I'll hop on as soon as this episode goes live. I will hop on to the Patreon, and and we are so grateful to all of you who did uh, choose to support the show over the past year, year and a half or so since we've had the Patreon Big going. Ups. Big huge ups. It has made thank an, you for the money. It has made an enormous difference <laughs> in our lives. It is part of the reason why this pod continued as long as it did, straight up. Uh, so you know your your contribution made a made a difference to the Nats. It made a difference to our lives, and and hopefully to to anybody else who got to enjoy this show for free. Thank you to the Patreons. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, that yeah, and yeah. just to highlight it as well. I mean, we we announced that, but um, it's also just a great chance to look back at the show and the community that we've built and the amazing and fun experiences that we've both had. So, um, you know, I'm glad to be able to do that, uh, even though it's in the context of this kind of shift that is uh, sad, you know, but um, but after the World Cup, it makes sense to uh, take the kind of step back in, in every facet and uh, and celebrate all of the great things that we accomplished together with all of you people. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It is sad. It is hard. And I think in some ways the reason it took us so long to get to this pod is because there's a decent amount of emotional processing that has had to happen behind the scenes uh, to get into this conversation. But Ty, I think you're ready. I feel ready. Uh, Let's go ahead. Stay tuned, folks, for later in the episode when we reminisce. If you've loved this show for years, I I hope you get a lot out of that conversation. But first... Uh, But first, let's feed these hungry birds with some Nats Nats content. Ty. So hungry. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Talk about the world, Kurt Moore. All right. You've you've listened to everyone else talk about it. Now we're going to talk about it. Ty, the World Cup is complete. The last episode the peeps heard from us was fresh off of the U.S. being eliminated from from the greatest tournament of all. And since then, a number of important developments have occurred in the world of soccer. Number one, first and foremost, Lionel Messi carried Argentina on his tiny, tiny back, on his his flea-shaped La Pulga back, all the way to the World Cup, where he celebrated, where he shook hands with... Some scary, uh, you know, I don't know, person from Qatar, supervillain, super <laughs> and had to wear the supervillain cape, but still while lifting yeah. the trophy. He's forced to wear the cape. Um, but amazing performance uh, for Argentina. You kept thinking, it just, I kept thinking it just couldn't be, but in the end, this story ended the way it should. Uh, and isn't that such tale. a rare and special thing, Ty? It is, it is. And it was, as far as I'm concerned, the best World Cup final ever in terms of the the game itself. And uh, just absolutely unforgettable and so happy for Messi. So happy for this dumb debate about him and Ronaldo to be over forever. It is over. There is nothing more to discuss. 
Take the L, Ronaldo people. Take the L, Ronaldo people. And hey, I'm over here a Neymar person, taking the L as well. You know, not that that was ever, yeah, he you, was never you, in contention. You took a hard L I, on that one. I did take a hard L on the Neymar train. <laughs> I believe I had that. I believe I had you that. You did have that. You did have that. My bracket was great after the, the round of, once we got to the round of 16, but the farther Messi went and the, the more Neymar dived and, and twirled, the, the worse it got. So it was a beautiful and fitting end um, to an odd World Cup overall, one that was littered with something of a strange vibe uh, just from having just because of its location and because of its timing in the year. Um, So seeing Messi win it in the end felt like a a sort of diamond in the rough of of something just going right. But, you know, a rose grew out of the cracked cement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If it was if it was just like a boring Brazil team that won, it, it that that would have been hard to swallow. But um, this definitely gave it a, a something memorable outside of the distasteful things, and something to you know look back on and think maybe it was worth doing. <laughs> maybe. Um, but the whole thing, the whole thing had this. <laughs> feeling in the last you know month or so after it ended of uh of a binge you know where you you wake up realizing the mistakes that were made in the sake of uh frivolous enjoyment we rationalized that you know that splurge uh all the way all all the way we rode that all the way into the night and then woke up in an odd location the next morning with nothing but regrets. Wicked headache. <laughs> so, and there was some... Nothing on there, our bodies, yeah, there, nothing but regrets on our minds. And there were a couple <laughs> things in all seriousness that um, mm-hmm. really added to that vibe for me. Uh, and those were the uh, uh, the deaths of Grant Wall, journalist oh, Grant Wall, during, during this tournament. The GOAT. Uh, the GOAT, greatest American soccer journalist of all time. Undebatable. Not close. Not even close. Not even close. Um, (sighs) Passed away during the tournament. I'm listening every day to this man's voice. Anyways, I listen to this man's voice all the time. You see him talk about... I talk about him on the show all the time, shamelessly just living downstream from Grant Wall's insights. Uh, And... and, I just took for granted his presence in, in my life and in my ears... Um, and so such a sad uh, turn of events during to, to take place, like, you know, as games roll on. Uh, so, so strange. And then, of course, the tournament ends. So so rest in peace to Grant Wall. And, of course, the tournament ends with Messi officially taking the mantle as greatest player of all time, at which point Pele uh, resigned from life, in fact. Sorry, sorry, making jokes. But in all seriousness, Pele pa- <laughs> passed away uh, passed away after the tournament, which did feel poetic and did feel somehow related yeah. to the cosmic turn of events uh, that, that had all coalesced. So rest in peace to two greats of the game, uh, Pele and Grant Wall. Absolutely. And um, I never met Grant Wall directly, but I was around him a lot in uh, media press type of situations. And you could just tell from the way that people interacted with him and spoke to him, the level of respect and uh, and friendship that he had with the, the community of journalists uh, who cover this team. And what people may not know kind of from the outside is how much of a 
subculture, like of a tight subculture that set of people is because you have people like Ivis Glarsep, for example, who's been at every U.S. soccer game, you know, for the last 15 years. Um, and there's there's really not that many of them that do all that do the rounds the way that Grant has and the way that others have. And so um, it is a it is a really uh, tight group and it's a it's a passion that is hard to justify at times, like with the the amount of relative apathy there is in the culture for our teams, even our incredible women's team that is the best in the world uh, very frequently, the level of, you know, cultural, you know, impact is can be can be low and the level of attention can be kind of depressing. Yeah. And so uh, Grant is somebody who pushed through the worst of those periods and got to see an era where U.S. soccer is a respected and understood and kind of, uh, you know, more impactful thing. And um, he will be sorely missed. Every bit of work that he did led to the culture that we have today. And uh, we have tried to carry on that kind of tradition in our work and, and try to build on that. Um, but, you know, really where U.S. soccer is today owes itself in some some significant part to to grant's life and work agreed agreed it is a it is a genuine loss uh for the u.s soccer community a genuine loss um ty what else stood out to you about um well actually is there any more to to say a word on pele uh if you would yeah, I thought it was poetic. Uh, the timing, I, you know, I know his last couple of years have, have probably not been uh, high quality, you know, for him. And I, I feel like uh, it is a, a mercy maybe for, for it to finally be the end. And I felt um, it felt very meaningful that as Messi's arc was closing, Pele, you know, in that era of his life that Pele's uh, arc closed and you saw that aspect of that hand over or, you know, spiritual succession between the two of them. And, um, I think it's, uh, it, it's interesting to kind of look back at the history of the game. And I guess Pele kind of represents a middle period where you had some, you know, very early stars like Di Stefano, for example, or Pushkas, who, brought the game to prominence in a in a uh, worldwide sense and then in the post-war era you have pele really defining the brand of soccer as a global cultural force and you know namely through the the brazil uh team and the sort of glitz and and uh, attraction of that team and that brand he was the most important human being in the development of soccer as what we know it today. Yeah. So that's the, uh, it's, it's an incredible thing to look back on, on his life. Not, you know, obviously on the field accomplishments are one thing, but what he did to the culture, particularly the culture of the United States, particularly the culture of New York city, uh, is really pronounced and really, really critical. And, uh, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it has been it has been great um, having this occasion to kind of remember that impact and really 
understand it for what it is because it's so easily forgotten the the importance of uh of everything that that he accomplished in his life and um and and gave to humanity right. uh in a very broad sense yeah it's we grew up in a pele household right <laughs> we so i think that probably means different things for different people but maradona <laughs> i knew who he was but pele you know the professor shouts to the professor our dad he actually cared about pele and maybe that has to do with the cosmos right i don't know but I, yeah, he was. Yeah, a, the professor saw saw Pele and Beckenbauer back in the day yep. at Giant Stadium, and and I think the the thing I mean, that you have to think about when you we're when here you, because of Pele. We are here because of That's, Pele. When you celebrate yeah, someone yeah. like Pele, you have to think about, um, you know, you know, I love me some Anderson Silva, but the the reason one of the things I love about <laughs> MMA fighter Fisher Anderson boy. Silva is yes. that the MMA yeah. itself was recently founded when <laughs> Anderson Silva became a star. And he right, trans right, right, he right. entered into a sport that was only just gaining legitimacy, and he brought it into the households of many with the, the, by by surprising and inspiring the world of of you know whatever world that is the the um what's the podcast guy with it who's like the best most podcasts ever. Dude, Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogans of the world, uh, you know, he he entered into this world of bruisers in a sport that didn't really exist and didn't matter to most and surprised everyone in the sport and then brought it to the households that had not recognized or understood right. that the sport was there. And that's what Pele did. So you have to think about a sport that is around is kind of serious, but perhaps not taken all that seriously. So how about those like Red Bull flight flying squirrel competitions right like we know it exists yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's being competed right we it, we know it's there but but imagine a star who's so good at that that they bring it to consciousness to the public consciousness and they make the sport actually matter right this is the the uh this is true for the bouldering guy who who brought bouldering to the to the to, to household sort of recognition. I don't know. It's hard for us to think about soccer in that way, but this whole long-winded uh -huh. thing is just to say, imagine the sport didn't matter and yet you still became a superstar doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, you know, he 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 basically didn't have the platform that today's stars had, right? To to um to build off of and he he built that all for himself. Yeah. Uh, and it's and you know for us it, and for us right because now we get to enjoy the platform yeah yeah and i think to kind of encapsulate all of these conversations you know any great human endeavor is a it's a it's a relay race you know it's 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 collaborative it takes lots of individuals doing their best to contribute to change that we want to see, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we have the kind of thread of trying to make U.S. soccer uh, impactful, and we share that with Grant Wall. And, you know, we in our own small way have tried to tried to build on what, what he did. But in the broader sense of, you know, uh, creating the joy of sport or, or bringing that joy to people, we are also contributing to what Pele started. You know, and I think all of us who are who care about this team, who care about the sport, who take our children to teach them the sport so that they uh, can feel that joy, or we take take uh, our our family to games, or we talk about the the sport with our friends, we're all participating in this 
larger human endeavor of trying to make a, a, a better world that includes more joy and includes more connection and uh, less racism and less um, less strife. And so, you know, I, I the, all, all things have beginnings and ends. And those ends aren't necessarily moments of sadness, but they can be moments of celebration. And so I, I, I saw that in what happened with, with Grant, and I saw that with what happened with Pele, and you know, in a very, very small way, um, the end of kind of what we're doing might maybe is the beginning of what someone else can do. And uh, I hope that everyone sees it in that way, that these people's lives aren't just done. What happens now is really what matters. Oh. Beautifully well said, Ty. Whatever you do after this podcast, you're going to be successful. I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you to thank genuine thank yous and uh, and and uh, um, you know and eternal peace, please to to Grant Wall and Pele. Speaking of uh, contributing to the greater um, initiative. How that is so important good. to the. I would say good, but we're talking about the USMNT, <laughs> so I'm going to go with initiative. There's only uh, bad to talk about, folks. The the Hard US segue here. the US gave us. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my segue of choice will be that that Gio Reyna has has loudly and publicly failed uh, to to collaborate with Greg Berhalter. Perhaps it is indeed the other way around. The USMNT gave us exactly what we asked for. No more, no less. Nuts on. Uh, just exactly what we asked for. Young players doing pretty well, changing the perception of US soccer, moving the needle, and getting knocked out in the round of 16. All right, we'll take it. In the weeks that followed, we heard nothing about that performance. Uh, the only thing anyone has been talking about <laughs> in, the, in the weeks that followed the USMNT's World Cup performance is Gio Reyna, the fact that he didn't play until he did, and why, and all the ins and outs of that, I guess, if there is really that many ins and outs to parse at all. Basically, here's what I've picked up uh, since the end of, of the tournament is he was told that he wasn't going to play. He was a dick about it. He was a little bit of whiny and didn't try and practice. Or sorry, that he wasn't going to start. He was going to play, but he wasn't going to start. And he was you, he knew this he was, because of he wasn't on the starting 11 in training. And so he was a little shithead about it, it sounds like. And then, uh, you know, Greg Berhalter benched him for a while. He apologized. He was brought back into the fold. They moved on. The U.S., you know, got, got knocked out. He played a 45. And then Greggy B went and said it uh, to someone afterwards. Ty, am I missing any important details here? Is there any important shit we got to cover? Well, I think the specifics are what makes all the difference, right? Because there's, there's a way for that story that you just described to be perfectly innocuous and typical. And that happens all the time, sports teams around the world. Uh, the specific details that kind of irk me or, or get my ears perked up about this situation is that Gio was told he would have a, quote, minimal role in the World Cup. And why has not been explained? Why would uh, one of our most talented players have a minimal role in the World Cup? Second, the, the nature of the response with Greg he apparently put it to a vote 
whether they should send Geo home or not. And then all once it was determined that Geo was going to stay, made each player tell Geo that he needed to apologize to them. So he created this kind of weird, like, cult circle like a, of people. It's like the circle. Te- <laughs> it's like that the shame walk in Game of Thrones or whatever. Like, you have to be publicly <laughs> humiliated in view of all of your teammates. Yes, it's and Game then, of Thrones the meets Love is detail, Blind. The other key detail is that Greg goes to this conference thing, which is like famously touted as being like a, like a confidential, like you're supposed to be able to speak to all these luminaries and, and they have this shadow uh, policy where nothing is supposed to get out of the room. It's and the Illuminati. Of course, that's not going to happen. The, the I mean, cor- the quarterly Illuminati. It was it's, the it's quarterly very, Illuminati. It's very conference. cloak and dagger. There's yeah. a lot of, it's really strange. And of course, that's not going to happen. And Greg is a fucking idiot about this because you just can't. Ty, Ty, Ty. All mics are hot, Greg. All mics are hot. He was just excited to finally gain entry to the Illuminati quarterly meeting. Too, Too excited in my book. And so what has ended up happening is like this cascade of events of revelations about, you know, his past and and a horrible thing that he did in the past and um and the, about the public past? break with with greg's past yes what horrible thing did you, he do oh okay sorry so i am i actually going to catch you up on the last couple weeks yeah right now okay um <laughs> <laughs> give me the highlights dude <laughs> i think our listeners have been paying Very about sad. as much attention as i know that you're our listeners, ha- I think, know this already. What? All right. Well, but while you're looking for that, while you're looking for that, yeah. you look up that, and I'll t- I'll say my take on this, which is, I am sure that. Okay. Well, Ty, to Ty's first of all, to to react to Ty's point, um, it's the way it was handled, right? This type of shit goes down all the time, but the way it was handled sounds really weird. The fact that shit was put to a vote. Too much things are being put to a vote. Uh, Hearing about the one with Tyler Adams being the captain, that's cute. I'll take it. I think that's a really sweet way to decide that. But these are weird things to put things to a vote to. Um, And then just the general sensation that Greg is like a tinkerer and manipulator of people is growing uncomfortable over time. And this is an example of maybe too much information where we find out he's indeed even more manipulative than maybe we thought he was. My take on this in general is that Gio Reyna is a 20-year-old, 21-year-old young child who, um, and and Greggy B is a, what, 50-something-year-old, 40-something-year-old grown-ass man who is in charge of all these 20-something-year-olds. And the the fact that he was unable to get Gio Reyna to have a decent attitude on day one of the World Cup is Greg's fault, right? So I don't care what attitude problem Gio has. I'm sure he said some douchey things or he was a dick about it. But to have drama erupting on day one of the World Cup is Greg's fault regardless because he is the adult in the room. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And it just makes me so sad. Like you had that visceral reaction to seeing Tim, Gio, and Polisic. I lost my mind. The, you know, as the as the front three, it uh, it just makes you wonder what this team could have done without this bullshit happening. Right? Yeah. So, Act Two is the true soap opera part of this, which is that it emerges that. During the World Cup, an anonymous tipster told U.S. Soccer that Greg, uh, during college at UNC with his girlfriend, he kicked his girlfriend at the end of a drunken fight. Hmm. That's that the... girlfriend is now his wife. Hmm. They... Then this, so this anonymous tipster tells U.S. Soccer. Of course, U.S. Soccer has uh, a, the, a um, obligation and uh, and duty to investigate this fully. So they immediately sort of pseudo suspend Greg, who doesn't really have a job anyway, and uh, start conducting an internal investigation into this. Um, as soon as that emerges, Greg tries to get out in front of the story by writing. This letter about how, yes, this happened. He describes it in what I presume is the most charitable possible way. Uh, it's The statement is signed by both him and his now wife. Um, and All right. so... I can understand it, why it you... It becomes think... very sordid very fast. Yeah. I'm, I can totally uh, understand now, why you chose not to address that in your first hot take. This is all. This all feels like okay. I mean, look. Do I care about domestic violence? One hundred percent. Not okay. Not it's something that we should take active, you know, measures against at all times. Uh, however, none, none of this. Here we go. None of Here this, we go. Classic WTP uh, content. None of this. None of this. <laughs> feels productive okay uh, none of this feels productive what are we doing here well it's what it's incredibly not here? productive uh and that's not the point point. and so people immediately start to put two and two together knowing that the best friend of greg berhalter's now wife rosalind was her teammate at unc danielle reyna ah uh. and so people immediately start to connect the dots and realize that, yeah, it was probably Danielle Reyna who decided to call U.S. Soccer and deliver this information during the World Cup about Greg. I see. And then it is confirmed that it was indeed her, and it turns out that the two families are in this horrible feud, basically, where they knew this about Greg, but they didn't say anything until... Geo's playing time was threatened. Hmm. Now, and this is horrific and distasteful in every regard. And on top of just being like an example of the depravity of man, <laughs> it is um, so, so sad because the Burhalters and the Reynas are like a, this like OG US soccer you know, family connection where the two of them, you know, the two uh, men played together. Um, Danielle Reyna played for the Nats at one point. And, um, you know, Greg has described coaching Gio as almost like coaching his own son. 
So to understand how far that relationship broke down is very saddening. And I just don't understand why the sport in this country attracts so much insane abuse and and terrible like well, what's with yeah this? we like, we talked about we the have all these investigations they, going on with nwsl and like wild. all the horrible shit that coaches have done and they it's, it's unbelievable so we, sad we it's talked as well about the it's heartbreaking we talked as well about the glass door reviews for working at u.s soccer which are not bueno sure yeah the, 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 apparently you know a quite toxic place to be and ty so let's Let's look at this, right? We're talking about what has now become a generational conflict somehow within U.S. soccer. We're talking about uh, our show, which has taken place over the past seven years. And we're talking about a cycle that is now restarting and will, you know, conclude in four years with a World Cup in the, in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. When you think about everything you've learned about this team, this culture, and this... Um, you know, this this micro culture, this microcosm of the universe that is U.S. soccer. Thinking back over the past seven years and then and then even, you know, learning about the 80s and the 90s from Dr. Joe Macknick and, and doing, you know, our COVID reviews of, of old, uh, of old games and all this shit, right? You're seeing, we're now seeing what is unfortunately, although alarming, unsurprising uh, toxicity coming out of this, co the community that surrounds this team. Uh, how do you actually see this going for the next four years? Uh, I mean, there's a way I wish it would go, which would be a, a more open and more sort of democratized power structure that is uh, not connected to the commercial interests of MLS. And unfortunately, that's not the case. U U.S. soccer and soccer united marketing um, which is the, the commercial arm of the, uh, either the Federation or MLS or both, basically guarantee that there's always going to be some level of sort of pseudo-corruption that's like just baked into the system in terms of what the priorities and incentives are for, for different factions. So um, anyway, so I'd love to see that reduced, and I would love to see... Um, the the sport kind of governed with more smart voices and more people who have the right incentives in mind. Um, but the problem is, you know, it's related to it being such a small community and tight knit community, like we were talking with about with Grant, is that it's kind of the same people over and over making the same mistakes and there's not really a large enough group of qualified individuals to push them out of the way, you know? So you're seeing that with the, the way that the Federation is run, which is like a lot of people have kind of been there for a long time. And that's, that's typically the way that things end up going. And you see that with the MLS coaches where like, you know, Caleb Porter is a, about to fail with his 13th franchise. And it's like, at some point, you got to realize that this guy is just like not a good coach. But we can't because we have this like insular community where where there's not a person who's like in the wings to take his spot, I guess, or at least a person who people trust. So 
yeah, I, I fully anticipate that it will be the the same old bullshit, especially w- the more money is involved, you know, with the World Cup coming here. Yeah, the money gets more, um, the bullshit gets more. Yeah, but all, all I can hope for is that part of the effect of the growth of the game is that there's just more scrutiny and more attention, so things are less insular and less myopic, yeah. you know, and if if we you know the the bigger of a organization this becomes or of a of a culture this becomes maybe the better shot we have of uh of combating some of these these forces you know um and bringing bringing sunshine to the darkness here but i i have to say you know i don't anticipate i don't it. think so right i don't think so if i'm being honest right and we may as well this is the see when we see app if I'm being honest, I don't see this becoming uh, purified by visibility and and relevance. Like it becomes more and more um, an opportunity for someone with nefarious interests than it ever was before. And even when we were playing with small potatoes, we found this to be a, a nepoti- nepotistic, I don't know if that's a word, but a nepotism-y uh, vibe from the jump, right? So I, I I think it will only get worse. The good news is that the product is actually going to get better. And I think if you're a USMNT fan uh, or a, a US soccer fan in general, um, and if you're an MLS fan, that's the silver lining. That ultimately the MLS is going to climb and climb inevitably, and it will become one of the stronger leagues in the world inevitably. And U.S. soccer is going to continue to do that. And I don't think U.S. women's soccer, although they're in a bit of a um, a slowdown at the moment or, a, you know, a freeze at the moment, they, I don't think they're going to stop, reset. you know, a reset. Re- I, I don't think yeah. they're going to stop being relevant as, you know, in contention for best in the world. I don't think that's going to stop. And I think the U.S. men's team is going to creep closer and closer to that over time. The 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 stuff we have to ignore is, I think, going to continue, um, you know, Qatari or, you know, uh, FIFA stuff. The FIFA shit is going to grow right, right, right. in the in U.S. soccer as U.S. soccer becomes stronger. Sure, sure. So I as you were saying that it made me reflect on my initial impression. And I think where I where I could be wrong is that. The influence of the money is that it attracts more outsiders, right? So I think with the money comes corruption, comes, you know, bad incentives, etc. But it does create more of an incentive for people to come in and make change because the financial rewards exist. And I think part of the reason why things are so incestuous is that uh, people aren't getting paid what they would get paid to do that same job for the Mexican FA or for the German FA or for the English FA. And so that that is what leads to this like this like, you know, uh, backslappy culture where the same people are getting recycled. And may, I'm thinking maybe the reason why the MLS clubs keep hiring these mediocre coaches to fail yet again with new clubs is just that they're paying a salary where you can't get somebody you know who's at a high level from some other league or some other country to come over well that's you know so they're kind of just forced to recycle these this same pool of media i think it's true that the limited funds results more in more nepotism 
it's one of the yeah, weird. It's, it creates conditions for sexual abuse, which is what we've seen sure. in the case of NWSL. Unfortunately, true. So you know, so that hopefully the the like elevation of the game, professionalization on the women's side, etc., will contribute to uh, a, at least a prettier overall picture, even though it will have plenty of problems. You know. Well, I'll say two things on this from the optimistic side. I do ultimately believe that kind of. Um, the spirit of democracy will will win out in in all cases, right? That humanity is is driving towards a more equal and um, society, and so I think that's true in the case of U.S. soccer as well. That we will mm-hmm. find a way to make things um, less toxic, more inclusive over time, because that's the human spirit. I think that's very much in spite of everything that U.S. soccer has built for itself, but I and, but I think it will happen. And then I think the other thing you True. can look forward to as a U.S. soccer fan, um, uh, I think it will happen incrementally and slowly over time, the increased, you know, inclusivity and, and human um, rights and dignity. Mm-hmm. The other yeah. thing you can yeah. look forward to as a, as a U.S. soccer fan, I think, is individual stories of athletes who uh, overcome. And in spite of this situation, we were celebrating Messi, who I cannot imagine the amount of corruption around Messi on, on, a, on a daily basis, who managed to make this uh, story end the way it should. And I think another great example of that on a much smaller stage is Tim Weah, right? Everything that was happening around Tim Weah in that moment in the moment of this World Cup, was um, quite unsavory. But what we saw was a young man who said, Welp, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to play my ass off when because I have 90 minutes, and this is fucking crazy what's happening right now. Can someone please be an adult? I'm sure he's wondering. But... He played yeah, his he yeah, played yeah, his yeah, ass yeah. off, and he showed us, you know, and, and from the Tim Weah angle, from the Tim Weah perspective, there's a lot of pure good uh, to celebrate and enjoy here in in you in the sport uh, in this country. So, so thank you to Tim Weah for for giving us that silver lining, and I think there are more silver linings like that to come. Absolutely, nothing connotes pure joy to me quite like. Tim Weah with the ball at his feet. <laughs> it's so special. What a guy. It's so special. So yeah, I think we'll see young players uh, overcome these odds and give us a lot of beautiful stories in the years to come. Ty, how about if we turn the page here? Anything else to say on the World Cup itself, soccer itself, U.S. soccer at the moment? you want to talk about the January camp? <laughs> uh, I've got zero interest in the January camp. I'm sorry, people. Um no, I well, one thing I am really excited about is the Olympics, and it got kind of buried in the you know lead up to the to the World Cup. Uh, but the the qualifying format changed. Um, Concacaf wanted to make sure that the U.S. got into the World Cup, so they figured out a way. It was through this like U twenty tournament that was both qualifying for the U twenty World Cup and the Olympics. So the U.S. is qualified for the Paris Olympics, which is pretty soon so not this summer but next summer and um that's going to be incredible um a lot of our team will be eligible guys like Gio Reyna for example and there will be a big push for them to stack the team because the senior team will have very few uh meaningful matches between now and the and the world cup so i will be watching uh very intently those all those matches for the U.S. 
maybe even in person. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Who knows? Um, but it will be exciting for sure to see this generation attack a, uh, a, a opportunity like that. Yeah, and I think if you're looking for like where do I go now, right? Um, I would say enjoy the prem, dude. Like we've got we've got uh, gnats all over the prem, and it's a really good time. So if you're if you're not sure what to pay attention to, uh, just choose just only want to stream one one thing. Sorry, you can't do it. Uh, I just realized that Premier League is like on multiple services, but. There's a there's a lot to watch, <laughs> and it's not just the players. I think that uh, over the next couple of years, to watch the U.S. soccer coaching pool uh, expand and, and develop is is going to be very interesting as well. So absolutely. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about the pod. If you have not been a longtime listener to this show, um, you could probably you could probably switch it off. <laughs> At this point, uh, not not sure if the, this is going to really connect with you, but you want to hear grown men cry seriously. But it's uh, this is the this may be the last time we speak to you for a while, and it's certainly the last time we speak to you in in this era of the show, Ty. And it's been an incredible, incredible journey um, over the past seven years. Finally, getting to see Cameron Carter Vickers uh, go to the World <laughs> Cup is just. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Gosh. Permanent fishy. The permafish. What is, Ty, what is the, you know, what stands out to you? Just just looking back over the journey of the show and, and closing it out with a decent World Cup experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've had lots of great memories from doing this show. And underneath it all is just uh, getting to spend time with you. And yeah, man. Um, that's always been the the motivation. I think really may, people may not understand, but that's always really been a, a lot of the motivation for us to do this is just to be able to enjoy this team with each other. And I think that's what people have resonated with uh, is that we really are truly passionate and, and deluded about this team and the you know project that U.S. Soccer is on and so on. And um, you know we're not we're not cynical media, people trying to poke holes, uh, though we do when it's merited, we really care about this. So um, I think the, the, the love and appreciation between the two of us has always come into the show and, uh, and defined kind of what our style is and the way that we do our, you know, so-called analysis. <laughs> uh, and and uh, that has invited a really dope set of people to listen to this show. And we've gotten to interact with so many people who uh, have found us and uh, I have, to a person, I've found them uh, incredible and uh, and friendly and thoughtful. Um, and uh, it's been a, a pleasure to get to know our, our little community here. It's been a joy and an honor. Um, yes, it is about, this ultimately was two brothers trying to hang out. Um, and we managed to do that through all these different cities, all these different moves, all these different seasons of life. We managed to show up for this team, uh, just like this team shows up for us over the years. Uh, win, lose, or draw, the Nats are going to play. And when you love the Nats, you're putting yourself in a position to connect with with the people in your life that you, you love. Um, that's what this ritual is about. It's about giving us a reason, right? It's the same as... Church on Sunday, if that's something that you're you're into, 
Um, it's mm-hmm. it's the same as you know celebrating New Year's together. It's yeah, just a it's just a thing that we pretty arbitrarily settled on because we need reasons to stop what we're doing, to forget about work for a second, and to um, be together and to share emotion over something, anything, you know, anything. Uh, and in this case, we chose soccer. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I don't know about other people who listen to this show, but for me, the reason why I follow this team above all others, why I follow the national team game above the club game, and why I follow soccer above all other sports, is that I deeply love our country. I think it can be so, so much better. And I'm passionate about changing it and seeing it become better. And to me, the team is a way for me to embrace and be proud about my country and about our potential and the principles that make us who we are. And I see those principles play out in the way that, you know, both the men's team and the women's team play and, and operate and comport themselves and, um, act as public figures, you know, some notable exceptions. And so for me, the the team is specifically an outlet for my patriotism and in a kind of non-toxic way. Um, and it's a way for me to root for this country without feeling like I'm rooting for the bad guy or the bully. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we've given people some of that sense because, you know, the, the other thing that's happened over the course of the seven years is that our democracy has become uh, fractured and fragmented in a way that we couldn't have possibly imagined. And our society has devolved into into chaos and into violence and literal bloodshed and deaths, you know, in in the capital. And the, you know, the the team and the symbolism of it can be a part of that healing of of overcoming that to discover an Americanness that is that can be shared and that can be just unified around pride and what we're good at instead of constant fighting about what we disagree about. Yes. So I hope yes. that we've been able to bring that to people. And that's, that's for me, always been a, a big part of the motivation for like why this team and, and why this sport is that I think the country needs a way to, you know, promote and be proud of Americanism without it being a, uh, violent <laughs> without it being That's oppressive right. and, and colonial with, and, you know? and racist right like and, and so we yeah. we we in this in this joy um we're given an opportunity to rise to the the higher you know vibrations that the the higher energies of of what it means to to be human um and so I think that we're talking about something that really does actually matter. So if you're listening to this, if you're listening to the show and you're listening to this part of the show, it's because you heard something in the dynamic between Ty and I that was meaningful to you and that gave you something that that you wanted in your day, in the course of your day, something small, no big deal. I'm not trying to make it a bigger deal than it is, but if you're here, it's because there was some energy in this that that you were hungry for and perhaps will continue to be hungry for even when Ty and I stop having as many conversations like this. And what I really want to um, stick the landing on is that there is always the opportunity for us 
to uh, to align with this higher vibration when we follow our uh, you know our true calling or our true interest or our true desire for connection right so there are a couple things that are very very true and authentic about the the what happened with the show it's it's the fact that Ty and I wanted to be together that's very true and real and it's the fact that soccer is beautiful right the game itself just there's something inherently beautiful about this game and uh, I don't. I don't want to argue over that at this moment in time. But let's assume. <laughs> I don't. Let's assume that that's true, right? When when you follow genuinely your interest, when I follow genuinely my interest in the beauty of this game and my you know love for my brother, we tapped into something that it, that is um, gener that is generative, as the professor would say, that is healing and that is good for for the world. So I encourage everyone. When you, whether it's America that you love or it's soccer that you love, the thing that you love, or it's your you know another person that you love, the thing that you love is going to be flawed. It's going to be imperfect, and it's going to come along with all this baggage. But if you follow mm. that love, right, and if you do that thing, you can find the healing. You can find the gold by just being true to yourself. And so, don't doubt yourself. Don't shame yourself for loving soccer, whatever the fuck else it is that you love the most. You know, get, get, lean into sure. that and like be that. And let it be flawed and imperfect. Yeah, yeah. And I've been thinking lately with uh, Martin Luther King's birthday recently about his quote about the the long arc of history bending towards justice, which is a lot like what you just said um, a couple minutes ago. And what I I think gets misinterpreted about that quote is that it makes it sound inevitable. But the reality is that the arc of history bends because people bend it. And everybody bends it in their own little way and people find their own opportunities and their own ways to do that, whether that's just, you know, being a great mom or it's, uh, you know, being a, a nurse or it's being a governor or it's being someone in the media or whatever it is. We all have the ability to push the world to be better in our own particular ways. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're right. And it's it's all about this, like cumulative collective effort to just try to find delight and try to make it better to be a human being you know and that's what soccer is about and that's what we've tried to embody through what we've done as well yeah man so and i think that's what we're gonna do you know in our future endeavors i don't know if ty what you know what you care to share but i it might be nice for folks <laughs> to hear just like one minute, a couple sentences on like why you know what we are doing with our time. Uh, what I'll, do we do? Yeah. What do we even do? Right. <laughs> so for me, a lot of this, you yeah. know, my interest in the game um, when we started was was minimal. Uh, I had played, but over the course of this time, I've really actually become involved in soccer in more ways than one. So part of what I'm doing is continuing the neighborhood soccer team that we built in Brooklyn. Um, to spread the game. And, and to me, this feels like a, a, a very um, direct way to change the, the game, um, much like the podcast. Uh, but it's in my neighborhood, you know, and it's something I can see and touch and feel. And it's very much not about me or my voice. It's, so, so I'm loving that. And uh, the other thing is that I'm pursuing, you know, my music career. So moving you know, out of rap music. I used to, we started the show, I introduced myself as a rapper. That's no longer true. 
Um, although it is true on some level, but I, I, you know, I'm moving more into like a film and theater score composer type of a vibe in my thirties, which I think is cool and appropriate. Um, and I'm excited for that. And I, and you know, I have like a nine to five job now, which I didn't have when I started this podcast. And so to do, to pursue my creative dreams and and my career at the same time, you know, is, is going to take a little bit of, a little bit of time, you know, so we'll be grateful to have a few extra minutes. Um, what about you, Ty? That's right. I just want to highlight quickly that any piece of music, any effect that you've ever heard on this show, uh, and all of the mistakes and uh, horrific things that I've said <laughs> that you didn't hear oh, yeah, yeah, sure. are because of Clayton and because of his talent and uh, ability to manipulate audio and create uh, a, a aural world. So <laughs> thank, you. Um, thank you, Clayton, for all of your hard work. I, I truly appreciate it. Um, and yeah, as for me, I, I, I started introducing myself, I think, as a web designer yeah. uh, when we started this show. And that was the majority of how I was spending my time. At that point, I did have uh, my company, Cantilever. We were probably three or four people then. And most of what I did was design websites and work with other people to build them. Um, and now the company has grown to about 15 people. Um, so I'm much more of a you know leader, manager type of person now. I'm very rarely a web designer, which is why I changed my, uh, my intro. And, um, and yeah, it's been quite a, a shift, you know, quite a, quite a change in my life in the seven years that we've been doing this. Um, and I feel, you know, empowered to, to try to make the impact that I want to have in the world. Uh, and I feel very proud of, uh, what I've, you know, been able to accomplish with a, a group of amazing people. So certainly if you have any web design needs, please Please reach on out, cancelaver.co. And and we can cut this if you like, but also involvement in the city council, right, in, in North Jersey, which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, I've been a volunteer locally in my um, town in New Jersey uh, with the Environmental Commission. So not on, not city council. Not but, city uh, council, got it. It's a volunteer commission, and that's been... That's been really cool, and it's been a way for me to um, explore, you know, the world of public service, which I think is a is a uh, critical aspect of civic life that is just dead in our generation, and I think desperately needs attention. You know, so I uh, I've I've quite enjoyed that, and that's been an aspect of my life that has um, happened really since we started this show. It's, it's hard to think about, but. Uh, when we started this show, I had a, I guess I would have had a four and a one year old. We're now eight and eleven. It's pretty incredible. Everybody, check your math. Yeah. Yes, they aged at the same rate. Yeah, that, that's that's how that um, works. Well, I bring, the reason I force you to share, um, the reason I kind of awkwardly yeah. force you to share that one is because I think it's related to where the energy of this show is going. Right? I think that yeah, you and you yeah. know both of the. I think that the energy that we've been putting into this show is going to these other relevant related projects. And I think that's important for of the course, listeners to, to understand yeah. is that we're not ending, you know, the efforts put in on the show. We're, we're further refining right, right. them and, and realizing uh, we've learned. I think we've learned a lot from this show. And I can say for sure that I've learned a lot from doing this show and that like the, 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 the endeavors I'm pursuing Right, you know, I guess after, so to speak, after this era of the show, um, are directly related to the efforts put into this show and the ways in which I've grown, like on this air and being a part of this project. A hundred percent, yeah. And one one aspect there that I would like to highlight is um, 
when it is the really some of my peak memories or, or most precious memories of doing this show are the times when I've been able to go uh, um, cover the team in person and get get credentialed and walk around a stadium like uh, like I own the place because I can walk into any door and um, and and bring my computer to a stadium, which is cool. <laughs> Eat free food. <laughs> fucking nerd. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. But uh, yeah, it, the those first couple experiences where I was able to you know ask questions of the team and be around the professional journalists and be around the broadcasters and have these conversations in in you know uh, deep corridors of giant stadiums. Um, those were really like challenging things for me to learn how to do. There were things that I was nervous to do. And so coming out of this, I know that I'm, I, I can do that. You know, I know I'm capable of trying to find the story, you know, trying to, uh, trying to, trying to make connections, trying to talk to people who ha are, um, you know, incredibly accomplished and, uh, and, and, and build a bond with them, you know? So I feel that this show in general, but specifically that has really challenged me to grow as a person uh, and that uh, those skills are are just beginning, you know, and that this is all just a um, it's all it's all been a, a, a primer in my growth as a person that I will continue, you know, and I think that is exactly what you're saying as well. It's like they, it, you learn a lot when you just try to do something, you know, you just try to make something for for an audience. Uh, it asks a lot of you. It creates moments of of doubt. It creates moments of joy, and you know, especially when it's just the two of us trying to figure out every single job yeah. uh, involved in doing something creative. Um, it stretches you, and it, it it really helps you grow. So I guess I yeah. do I do recommend it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a couple a couple things right a couple things that uh, to to tie this up. One is so. All that being said, what that means to me is, one, if you are listening to the show, if you have listened to the show, you have directly impacted the trajectory of my life and Ty's life. And so thank you. Facts. Thank you uh, thank for you. helping us grow in the ways that you have helped us grow. And two, um, if you feel a loss uh, at the, you know, the, the end of this, this era for this show, do something right? Maybe there is something within you. Uh, maybe it's not make a podcast, but maybe it is make a podcast, but I don't know what, you know, um, contribute to this culture. If you're feeling like this energy is missing uh, from your life, it might be because there's a calling within you to contribute to something like this. Hell yeah. Um, so consider doing that. Ty, let us close on uh, just a few popcorn memories. Talk to, talk to me about... Uh, Something you remember? Let's do a few that from from the show that that was a good time uh, for me. Asking, I I asked uh, I, when Greg was hired. Ty somehow got me into a U.S. soccer thing in Manhattan, and was yes. able to ask Greg and Will Trap, um, "What is the strangest thing that ever happened to you on a soccer field?" And Will Trap, <laughs> Will Trap is not an entertaining dude, so his answer I'll just ignore. <laughs> However, uh, Greg Berhalter's answer was pretty solid, which is that he had his, uh, his chain stolen from him on the field in New Jersey. Uh, fantastic. That is an incredibly New Jersey. I, so New Jersey. Type of thing. I was in the yeah, elevator with Ernie Stewart. He knew I knew who he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start. I'm mean, roughly chronologically. Um, the first episode we did, I was in our father's art studio um, 
And I, I remember doing my Jürgen Klinsmann impression, which was great. Uh, <laughs> it may indeed have birthed the show. So I love the, the Jürgen Klinsmann impression. Uh, yeah, that kind of did birth the show. Um, and an, another key memory to do with our father, the professor, is that I actually got to film live with him during the, the Costa Rica World Cup qualifier last uh last cycle and that was very precious it was great to be able to share that with him and uh and you know show show the world kind of the bond between him and us that has been forged through this game and is uh you know in enduring yes the dave sarikan era for me is we joke the about it dave we sarikan joke about era. it but it really was in retrospect such a golden era when peak nats. we just it was peak nats <laughs> we, you just couldn't like should have kept him we should have kept him the you fuck? just couldn't there was the stakes were so low and it's we're actually likely to go into something of a dave sarican era right now uh but the stakes were so low it was such an odd time everyone was so young and sarican just made very normal decisions you know he just he just did really... Didn't want to rock the boat. He just did really straight down the middle, uh, everything. And it was just such a nice time. Bobby Wood scored against Brazil. Fuck yeah. Or Nether... I don't know who it was. Netherlands, maybe. I don't know. Um, I would like to popcorn everything to do with Kwame, who is yes. our official third host and a, a wonderful, wonderful man and creative collaborator, and we truly appreciate... Um, and, you know, to the point about like taking all of these, this growth and connection, um, you know, Kwame is someone I knew as a child and, and never uh, had, you know, um, ha hadn't been able to maintain the, the connection the way that I wish that, that we had. And so through this show, we've been able to kind of build that friendship um, now that that is enduring and uh, super meaningful. And I love Kwame. So thank you to Kwame for everything you did for this show and being such a great friend and collaborator. I can't remember, uh, I've second that 100%, yes, the Kwamdas. Um, I can't remember specifically which US-Mexico game it was, but there was one that we recorded in person, a little drunk, uh, I think at, <laughs> at, yes, in, New yes, in Princeton. Yes, yes, with Amos. Um, no, 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 not that one. Although, yeah, oh, that was okay. another that one. That was also great. But there was one there, that was also great. There was one in particular that, shout, shout out to Amos, by the way. There was one in particular that was the one that made us decide we were better at recording remotely. I, do you recall? Oh my God, was, it went off the rails. Yeah, we like went slightly off wow. the rails. It was in Princeton. Um, it, it was a funny, that was a funny time. That's a good memory, memory for me. Uh, um, also doing, yeah, um, mm -hmm. doing episodes about the world cup that the U S didn't go to was fantastic. Yeah. The jealous Yanks, the jealous Yanks pod. What an epic experience there. And, and looping back to Kwame doing, doing she, the peeps, um, Kwame and I was, was definitely one of, one of my favorite memories of, of doing this show. Yeah. A hundred percent. And for me, that era being able to listen to the show, like watch the good Nats and then listen to you two do the show was fucking awesome. And you did a really good job. So I, I got to experience uh, being on the other side as well. Um, our, I'll nominate our Centenario episode. 
where we had listeners of this show come on the show and they were fantastic. It was it was uh, Brenda, Josh Kranz, and Kwame, I believe, who came on the show. Kwame, who at the, that point had not officially become the, the, oh, the third host. Amazing, amazing. Um, that was his trial. That's when he broke through and, to the first team. Yeah, and it, it was... It was just so special to to understand and like see the connection that that was forming, you know, between people from all over the country, literally East Coast to to Hawaii, and um, across, you know, so many backgrounds and uh, and and histories, but all united around the idea of this team. It was like exactly what we thought this community should be all about, and that was very gratifying. Yeah. We spoke to Dr. Joe Macknick during COVID, the COVID era of the show. Um, Fantastic. But that is such a unique experience in my life of feeling like the... Understanding how small the world is through the internet, you know, just we're suddenly talking to Dr. Joe in COVID, incredible. And then shout out to, I think, is maybe the most insightful um, philosophical guest we've ever had bobby warshaw who broke my yes. mind oh my god broke my yes, mind a number yes. of times in that conversation <laughs> and has gone on to have a fantastic yeah. podcasting career since then he was very recently retired you'll recall when we spoke to him mm-hmm. and had not really That's right. established himself as a voice in the game and, and now he's the the u.s soccer podcast voice yeah we can take some credit for that uh bobby so yeah two um guest highlights I have been a listener of the World Football Phone-In on BBC for 15, 20 years. And um, the the North America correspondent, John Arnold, is somebody I've listened to on that show many, many times. Arnold, And we invited him onto this show, and he agreed to, to come on this show. And that, for me, was uh, pretty incredible to listen to someone and think of them as, as really intelligent and really interesting, and then for them to actually you know, just be on the phone with us, like answering our questions and and uh, chopping it up with us was was pretty amazing. Um, and then another kind of similar thing is is Amobi. Oh, we Amobi. I, I watched I watched Amobi Okugo play for the youth national teams. I watched him play in MLS a bajillion times, and eventually, you know, realized the the, the potential connections and the ability to ha- you know invite him on to talk about the things that he was passionate about. And got the chance to meet him, interview him, and uh, strike up a bit of a of a friendship, and that that led to the the fundraiser that we did during the World Cup, which um, which we raised a non-zero amount of money through. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Amobi Amobi has has been a great friend of the show and somebody who I'm uh, honored and and pleased to to know and be able to to learn from uh, and to to you know amplify his messages is really cool so yeah so grateful for all of the guests who we've had on and people we've been able to kind of you know connect with uh, over over this game um special shout out to kevin tower kbot who may in fact be Ugh. the uh the difference between me bailing on this show randomly like a year <laughs> and a half ago and me stay <laughs> me sticking with it to get to the world cup kevin Tower, you did it, buddy. Thank you for for being such a longtime supporter of this show, my creativity in general, but really more so this show. I think it might be the reason we're still friends, and I'm okay with that. 
Um, I love you, Kevbot. This show is is for you. You have a significant, your contribution was significant. And we have recorded an episode with Kevin, and I, that episode was for the U.S.-Mexico game on 9-11 uh, a long time ago, which is one of my highlights. Um, I have my, still have my press pass from that game. Uh, you know, like I was saying, the, my association with this team is... It's it's not incidental to my uh, patriotism, and so um, to be able to experience that was very special to me. Um, and I, I guess that connects also with the video because I started doing a little bit of video there and kept doing more and more video. And the, those who subscribe to our channel on YouTube, I'm very grateful for you watching me yak into the camera. Um, so much and i i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed our our live streams in general and being able to have those fun chats with people and uh, um get to kind of feel like we're we're watching the game in a big group uh was was really special and i'm i'm glad that the internet can always see me freaking out about uh goals and non-goals and penalties and non-penalties and so on oh man Yes, these... You can see Tiny Ty. Tiny Ty. These videos are with us forever. Forever. <laughs> but yeah, the video the video era was Ugh. great. Um, you know, I want to give a shout out to just this pod. This is not a memory from the actual podcast, but, you know, I have all these memories of hard times in my life throughout the past, you know, uh, half decade. And getting through them processing by watching soccer by watching games on the weekend and one of the things oh, that yeah. this show did for me was it made it, it, you know it made t 10 to 12 games a weekend relevant to, to my life it made it so that i could yes. tune into the bundesliga and, and give a shit about about uh schalke you know when it was yeah baby. matthew hoppy's on the bench matthew hoppy's on the watch bench this entire game <laughs> <laughs> which in a way i could complain about how much life i've lost to this uh, but what i'll do yeah, what exactly. I'll, the choice i'll make instead is to be grateful for you know how much this game has allowed me to process and how many difficult life moments this game has helped me through um and thank you to the nats and to this podcast and to the listeners for making every uh psv eindhoven game um one i'd consider watching uh, fantastic. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I also echo that in terms of my, my understanding and knowledge of other, of, of, you know, the leagues around the world and what's going on with players around the world is like just immensely more uh, on point because I follow our players and all of these different teams, and especially as our players have actually been successful and been in more teams. Uh, and especially bigger teams. Like for a while, I barely watched the Champions League because we just had no money What's in it. What's the point? It's just happening, and I gives a shit. And now I actually get to watch, you know, the top level matches in the Champions League because our players are participating. It's it's been really cool. Um, so yeah, and I, you know, the, what that leads to is that I feel like I can talk to virtually anyone around the world about their team. You know, I, I know their players and I know their team. And that has led to countless wonderful conversations and interactions that I've had with people, you know, especially living in New York and, you know, traveling around the United States. There's so many people from all over the place. And that ability to quickly make a connection is something I, uh, I really value. And it allows me to kind of see just little aspects of their 
culture and their life and their world that uh, that are meaningful. And um, I'm very grateful for that. Indeedy do da, <sighs> Ty. Indeedy do da. I think we have reached the end of this conversation. Um, I think we have, my friend. It has been a beautiful seven years. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Thank you, brother. Well, there's a few things that I love. I love my brother. Uh, last thing I'll say is um, thank you to the fans. Thank you to the listeners. Not even fans, listeners. Those of you who have listened to this, thank you so, so, so much. I love my brother. I do. He's a good dude. He's, he's very reliable, hardworking, detail-oriented, um, and, and ultimately <laughs> a good person. So I, I, I love him. Um, I love recording podcasts. You know what I mean? It's a pretty good time uh, getting in there on Logic, thinking about the mix, uh, cutting up the conversation to make Ty sound stupider so that I can sound a little smarter. Uh, just kidding. I've never done that. <laughs> Except for once. Just kidding. I've never done that. And, um, you know, I, I really, really do like the World Cup. You know, it's, it's the best tournament. It's such a good sporting event that just, it's so good and so meaningful that, you know, you could spend hundreds of hours, hundreds of creating hundreds of episodes uh, of content about just one team that might go to the World Cup. That is how good this sporting event is. I love my brother. I love making podcasts and I love the World Cup, but I don't love any of that stuff. I'll tell you what. As much as I love the Nats, let's go boys. Let's go boys. Forever. Forever. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.